Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and me? not Key Files. Oh, <laughs> A bit premature like Keith there. Um, <laughs> it's Mike Tack here. Yes, Mike is uh, stepping into uh, Keith's shoes this week while he's away in LA, uh, sunning it up. and uh... Blue Airport, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he said... You know, he said he was going to LA, but you know, he could be in Luton Airport. He could be doing. Um, He's got a, a job. Tom Hanks cleaning. You know, <laughs> he could be Forrest Gumpsky. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, hello everybody. It's great to be on this fantastic podcast, and uh, hopefully, uh, we won't be rambling on incessantly as much as Keith does. But uh, I'm sure Keith will argue about that with me afterwards. <laughs> I'm sure he will. Yeah. Right. So um, this week's director, uh, Mike picked. Uh, so let everybody know um, who it is. Horror films are a big part of, uh, has been a big part of my life. And uh, this director has made uh, at least two, which is which is pretty good going, really top-notch horror films. Um, and the director is Stuart Gordon. Um, and uh, the thing that he's probably most well known for is making one of the films that probably is going to be featuring today. Uh, but also, he's um, he actually is one of the people who co-wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Unbelievable when you actually compare it to some of the output which he uh, which we're going to discuss this evening. Um, he even got involved in the TV show of it apparently as well. That's right. Yeah, he's um, he directed an episode, mm. but I I don't remember ever seeing the TV show. No, uh, I gave up watching the Disney Channel um, once I was past thirty. So <laughs> I don't know. About you, so Simon. you were like watching up to twenty nine, but then when you hit thirty, was like, nah, I've had enough of this now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no more Hannah Montana for me. No, that's right. I'm afraid you've uh, you've lost that idol. And you've got to replace it with other ones. So, uh, that's it. You know, Britney Spears then moved in, didn't she? <laughs> but that's another story. Um, okay. So this Duke Gordon's a, <clears throat> an interesting chap. Um, he um, originally started off um, doing some fairly obscure and uh, naughty sort of things in the theatre, didn't he? Have you read anything up on him, Simon? I did. I don't know much about Stuart Gordon. Um, I remember seeing the his films as um, VHS covers at my uh, local video store. Yeah, and I remember always the the covers really stood out to me. Mm. Uh, but I didn't really know much about the guy. But um, yeah, uh, reading up on him, uh, he uh, was a, a theatre director uh, doing a lot of these sort of um, plays, which you know, riled people were very sort of controversial at the time. Mm. Nudity and Peter Pan was what I heard. Yes, that's I read that as well. <laughs> Which is a theme that sort of you know is in his films. He uh, yeah. he doesn't shy away from nudity. He likes a bit of the old flesh. Oh, he does. Don't we all? <laughs> um, um, but mm. yes, um, I was quite surprised to find out that Reanimator was his first film. Yeah. Um, and what a what a calling card that film was, but I'm sure we'll go on to discuss that. Yes. Um, 
it's very. I mean, it'd be really interesting to find out the the real story behind how how the you know how the stars aligned and actually enabled him to <clears throat> direct this film. You know. Um, well, I I saw an interview with him and the producer, hmm. Brian Neusner. Yeah, who went on to direct uh, Bride of Reanimator. Yeah, and what it was is that um, Brian was looking for a director for to do. Um, uh, they were going to do Reanimator as um, a miniseries, a TV series, oh, right. and uh, they were looking for a director to come on board. And he went to see one of uh, Stuart Gordon's plays, and at the end yeah. of it, uh, Stuart came up on stage and was talking to the audience, ask asking for feedback, and uh, he thought this was really great. You know, he thought, "Wow, mm. this guy." knows what he's doing and he's sort of, you know, talking to his audience and this stuff. So he approached him to, to come on board and, but he wanted, but Stuart Gordon wanted to make it into a feature film. Mm. So they went down that route. And of course, at the time it was one of the most successful low budget um, horror films ever. Still, Still is. is. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, so Stuart Gordon must've gone up on stage and then this, he's doing the stage play with Peter Pan naked or whatever it was. <laughs> And um, and then this guy says, I want you to direct this horror thing. And then straight away, he's like, no, I want to do a feature. I mean, he must have had the uh, he must have had some interest in doing a feature film. Um, I can't remember in his bio whether he actually did some TV stuff. before. Well, well. Uh, according to his IMDb page, he did one f a TV movie called Bleacher Bums, which is um, like a, a film of his uh, stage play that he was putting on. So ah, they did a right. TV movie. So he was in there somehow. He must have worked his way up to, oh, it just, to get in on It just the, sounds uh, like that um, it was one of those things where, the, the, as you say, the stars aligned, that he just happened, this guy happened to come and see his show and he came on stage and made an impression and that was enough mm. and it just went from there. Was there obviously, a lot, a lot of his, he's been tied in with Lovecraftian themes and films and stories. Oh, wonder whether any of the early stuff actually had any Lovecraftian elements to it, whether that's something he was already into or whether it's something he got into afterwards. That's a good question. Well, but we haven't, we haven't got the answer. Got the answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, let's move on quickly. Well, you know, see, Mike, you go to a lot of horror film festivals and stuff, so Stuart Gordon might turn up at one. You can ask him. I will do. <laughs> Once I've got him to sign... Uh, the DVD, sorry, Blu-ray cover, the excellent Blu-ray, uh, which MGM have released. Um, and what do they call it? Hollywood Classics. Um, this is my mm -hmm. film, which we're going to get, which is basically my favourite Stuart Gordon film is going to be From Beyond. H.P. Lovecraft's From Beyond, uh, which... Um, I've got the uh, Blu-ray here because originally I, I had it on an import from Holland because the region coding on DVDs uh, is the same from Holland. So if you, because I've got the un really super uncut version of uh, Reanimator, which we I'm sure we we will be crossing over, talking about, and also I got the full version pretty much of the Beyond, and the pictures quality is stunning, absolutely top drawer. Anyway, the main thing I'm talking about this is apart from that cheesy artwork 
that looks so good. And, and I know what you mean. It's not like a photograph or a still from a film. It's proper artistic, mm. like an artist has painted something. And you, you, you've seen my house with all my yes. Hammer film posters yeah. up on the wall. That's what I really, I love the art the artwork that goes into these these things so it's got a great cover so mike when was the first time you saw from beyond um well i saw from beyond when it came out uh i remember seeing it as a trailer and i think it was a trailer when i when i hired reanimator on vhs um so uh from beyond was released in 86 and Reanimator was released in '85, and Reanimator was such a big, big hoo ha about how fantastic this film was. But on it, it then had this trailer for From Beyond, and, and that trailer with all the vivid colours and really fucked up looking makeup effects and everything just really, um, you know, attracted my attention. Uh, I was 23, 23 then, so uh, but I was a young 23. I was still a teenager. Still, I'm now really. Uh, and, and I was like, <clears throat> wow, I've got to get to see that film, got to get to see it. Um, and I wasn't disappointed um, when I when I got the, the VHS, which is why I was so pleased that all those grainy, you know, VHS copies with tracking marks on are gone. I've got this beautiful Blu-ray, and what I was get, trying to get to was I've got it signed by Ken oh, Faree, nice. who is one of the stars. Uh, I met him, and uh, I took this cover with me, actually, yeah, all the way out to the States, uh, when I was out there and, I, and he signed it. And again, I managed to get a free signature off of one of these celebrities because I just massaged his ego <laughs> and uh, chatted to him for a bit. <laughs> yeah, so this stars um, Jeffrey Coombs uh, in the lead, one well, one of the main lead roles. He was the guy from Reanimator, which we'll talk about. Barbara Crampton, this blonde, fit um, actress uh, who... Uh, for one of the things that I liked this film was because I thought think she was really mm. hot, and um, she uh, recently uh, appeared after a big hiatus of not appearing in much. She was in the um, that horror film uh, we saw last year. Their neck was it last last year? Yeah, one one with one with the animal heads. Was that that the was the year before, before at Fright next? Fest. Yeah, yeah. That was the thing about they their next or oh, your next. Sorry, your next. Um, next, yeah. was that I always thought the mother looked too young. I thought, wow, she just she doesn't look old enough. And then what you thought to yourself was, hey, she looks pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely milf candidate. There. But, I mean, but yeah, so yeah, she's, she's gorgeous. Um, I've you know. now because I hadn't seen From Beyond, um, so yeah. I, I I've I've watched it to, to for this podcast, and so yeah. um, when I when I saw, I went. I, I recognise her. Where do I recognise her from? And it was from your next. You could see her from the lavatory, could you? On the TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> Is um, that where you watch your look, films from, Mike? <laughs> that's where I watch this one from, mate. I tell you. Um, right. So, so for all you haven't, um, all listeners who haven't watched from Beyond, and hopefully we'll be checking this out, especially on the fantastic Blu-ray. And I'm not getting any money from these people because it's got loads of extra features and, and all that sort of stuff. You've got this guy called Dr. Edward Pretorius, played by Ted Sorrell. He's a scientist who's developed this thing called a resonator. It's like a Frankenstein-type electric-powered machine, and it creates a resonating tone. 
Um, and anything within range of this machine, if you're, you know, if you're within range of it, you can see things from another dimension, creatures and things like that. And the thrust of the story is basically the film opens up with this machine um, being turned on and um, Pretorius uh, is bitten by one of the creatures uh, and uh, his, his assistant, Crawford Tillinghast, played, played by Jeffrey Coombs, um, wants him to turn it off and he doesn't. And what happens is Pretorius claims that the machine um, is giving him an, quote, orgasm of the mind. So you can see where this film's mm -hmm. going. Um, and um, Crawford, you know, escapes Pretorius's attic laboratory uh, with an axe and flees outside. And when they arrive, the cops arrive and Pretorius has actually been decapitated. So they cart Crawford off for the murder and um, that's then we we then are then introduced to the gorgeous Barbara Crampton who wears these massive Deirdre Barlow sized glasses <laughs> if you've seen Coronation Street in yeah. order to it's like oh we've got some young hottie let's try and make her look intelligent and that she'd actually be a good psychiatrist or qualify so let's put slap some big glasses on the big ass glasses I did read in the trivia that um uh, she was considered too young for the role. She was, she was, but uh, Stuart Gordon said Insisted, no. He wanted yeah. her, yeah, because she yeah. was she, and that again, she was in Reanimator. Um, so he, he, it's a bit like a Hammer film thing, which I love is that they 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 bring they do another horror film with a totally different sort of story, and they bring their their, their sort of actors that, that have been with them from the from the last film, you know, like Cushing and Lee, etc. You know. I mean, Jeffrey Coombs is is great in yeah. in in this film. He's really good. Well, you got to be good because you know the things that are going on are so wild and and untamed and uh, bizarre that if someone if you, if the guy that's in there in the situation doesn't believe it and is really committed to it, then you're not going to buy into it either. And I think that's one of the strengths of you know Coombs was a real find actually. Mm. Um, because you know, like Peter Cushing, you know, when he he talks with some gravity and, and you believe him. So the story is basically: there's Crawford gets um, has a brain scan, and uh, they, there's a thing called a pineal gland, which is meant to be like the third eye in a human being, and it's um, not the third eye in a cat, but in a human being, it's on the front of your forehead, in the middle, above your bridge of your nose, mm -hmm. uh, and this has been enlarged, and this allows him to, you know see things so she gets because she's like really hot to trot and and make a lot of headway and, and make a name for herself she persuades him um and gets the authorities to let her take him back to the house okay to check out this resonator so uh, detective bubba brownlee which is ken Faree, um <laughs> is is the good bloke that's tasked with uh, looking after him you know like a security guard policeman or whatever this is when the shit really starts to go down. Um, so they go to the house. The machine's reactivated, which shows all these little sort of... They look like amoebas or something flying around the air. And then... Well, they, Mr. they look like um, eels crossed with piranhas. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's a very good description. Um, that's exactly what they're like. And they're mm. quite large. Yes. Uh, and the effects are quite good. Even holds up quite well today, I think. This, see, this is the thing. I think this, this film... Uh, definitely holds up 
for me. I mean, okay, you got a bit of the 80s hairstyle for, with, with, with the, on the ladies, you know. Um, <laughs> yes. But um, if forgetting all that sort of, of obvious stuff and fashions and everything, the effects, uh, are which and what I'm going to lead on to, are, are fantastic. So anyway, so Pretorius suddenly appears when this resonator comes on and he looks hideous. He's all sort of deformed and he's got all this amazing effects work with all this all practical effects, prosthetics and slime. This is where you really got a lot of good slime in the mix. Now, so this came out in 86. When was the thing? Oh, the thing was uh, 82. Yeah, so obviously these guys... um, is it Buchler? John Buchler did the special. Mark Shostrom. Um, now, these guys, I'm sure, were involved in some space-type effects as well for Star Wars. Wasn't Shostrom involved in Star Wars? Like, um, I don't know. I, that rings a bell with me. I'll have to look at that. But anyway, okay. this, this hideously deformed geezer comes out and um, basically he, um, he's sort of active in this world. Uh, and he tells them that there's this world beyond, uh, which is more pleasurable. And uh, then when Crawford goes to touch him, his body breaks apart. Um, and, the, you know, Bubba then draws his gun, shoots the doctor, and the resonator gets turned off. And immediately the creatures vanish. It's like, you know, being able to see into a, a parallel universe, the resonator turns off. Yeah. So, cut a long story short, um, there's a bit of. This Pretorius fellow, it's revealed, was into S&M. Uh, and he's got all this S&M gear and like a rack and all this sort of stuff in the other room. And, and you know, the, what's her name? Uh, Barbara Crampton, Catherine Michaels, um, uh, wants the machine turned on because she wants she thinks this all um, might lead to a cure for, is it schizophrenia? Um, yeah, there's there's that, but she's also um, she's turned on by it as well. Well, yeah, I was getting because there's that. a whole sequence where she's um, <laughs> don't spoil they, it for me. No, no, but, I mean they've <laughs> all gone to bed, sleep, um, sleep, and she she can't sleep. Yeah, she basically puts she starts putting on this S and N gear because obviously the effects of this it's almost like the 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 resonator has has some residual effects on. Yeah, I, I think no, there's there's I, I think. So there's the first time they turn it on and they see him. And then the second time she turns it on while they're all sleeping. This is where I think maybe that I think, I think for me, the film is saying there's like a residual. It's like you've been tainted with something. There's something still with you when you've been yeah. exposed to this, like radiation or whatever. Um, and she turns it on and we get a little bit of nudity, which is great. Because uh, she's got a fit body, you know, for her age at that time. It's beautiful. So um, she, she gets her clothes ripped off by this horribly slime-covered monster. That's right. He says he wants to eat her mind and take her to the world of beyond. So um, there's a scene where Crawford and uh, Ken Faree, Bubba, go down into the basement. And there's a there's like, I don't know, that must be quite tricky. They had like, basically like a swimming pool in this area. They did, with, with a giant worm in it. The giant worm. That zooms up and grabs him over his head with his massive jaws. Yeah, it does look like a you know a ventilation duct covering rubber that's been animated, but it's pretty good. The the version I watched, it it looked really good. I wouldn't mm. say there was anything kind of like cheap about it. it didn't look like no, it's quite a good you know, tentacle, piping. wasn't it? Yeah, I mean it, it jumps up and it grabs Crawford and and starts eating him. Yeah, 
And of course, um, Bubba's able to sort of turn the power off by the fuse. That's right. So, and of course, it disappears. And of course, uh, Crawford's lost all his hair. And yes. that was like, fucking hell, that's really freaky. Yeah, yeah, it, it does look freaky. Um, because when once um, this has gone on, this is where she gets the S&M unit out. And she wears yeah. all this, S- this really nice S&M gear and mounts him and offers to do all sorts of things to him in order to turn the resonator back on. Um, and um, there's some there's some great lines in this, like, you know, humans are such easy prey. Yeah. Um, plus, Bubba comes out with some quite humorous, humorous lines, which I can't remember off the top of the head, something like <laughs> him get, getting a hard-on or something because of the resonator. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, Ken Foree is very good in it. He's he he does bring very much uh, comic relief to it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you know uh, Crawford's very sort of straight and on level, and um, the Catherine McMichael's mm. the Barbara Crampton character. She's very you know she's trying to sort of get to, down to the truth, and of course Ken Foree's character is just like you know I'm just here because it's a job. And I was yeah. like. You know, he's he's like the audience going, fucking hell, this is really weird. It is weird, but it works for mm. me, definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this great scene where this great big, like, I don't know, it's like a it's like a probe that comes out of his pineal gland and gets enlarged oh, and it right. opens yeah, up it's... through the front of his skull. And it's, it's like a, it's like a worm, eye. isn't it? Yeah, it's like a little miniature eye on the end of a stick, like a worm thing. Yeah. Um, and... Um, that comes out and uh, they, they short circuit the machine. The machine sort of, sort of, I can't remember, it turns itself on at It some does, point. yeah. So yeah, Pretorius they... has got some control from the other side and each time he appears he's more hideous, isn't he? That's right, yeah. That's right. He's uh, more creature-like than human. Yeah. Um, so they go back to the hospital um, where... And what happens is there's like a there's a nurse there who's a real bitch to her because she's young and she's qualified and uh, this is actually uh, Stuart Gordon's wife, yes, Caroline Purdy Gordon, cool. and that's uh, right. She's been in most of his films apparently. That's right, and she was you know in most of his stage plays as well. So. That's right, yeah. So they've been they're they're a team and they've been doing it for a long yeah. time. And she's a good actress. He does have a habit of killing her off in like every film. Well, I do that as well in my films. Funnily enough, <laughs> it's quite therapeutic. Um, but um, yeah, he does, and and actually, he didn't Dario Argento did that as well? I think it's uh, Dario who? Yeah, I think I think it's um, one of the. Do you purest... mean Dario Argento? Yeah, I think it's yeah. Dario Argento <laughs> killed his wife off in those <laughs> films. <laughs> what are you talking about? We laughed before. Indeed. Dario Nicolodi. Nicolodi? That was his wife. Oh, right. Uh, it's, and she was the one who got Geno, shot in mate. the eye in uh, Tenebrae. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she, I think, I think she, well, we'll talk about Dario Argento maybe if you do one of these things at some point. <laughs> Um, but, Dario who? <laughs> well, I know he's crap now, but he, he did make some. I know you don't like him, but I, I thought he made some cracking films early on. And I actually, believe, I never said I don't like him. 
I didn't didn't say that at all. I have I a would... theory about him anyway. Is that? Oh, okay. Is that doing a Keith Isles I digress moment? Um, yes. Basically, his early films when he was with with his wife Darian Nickelodeon or Nickelodeon or whatever her name is, um, <laughs> she I, I think she had a lot of influence on his work. Uh, okay. And you, there's a massive drop in the quality of his work when he's not with her anymore. And I don't think yeah. anyone has ever ever actually looked at that because I think she made a lot of contributions to his films. Not only she was in them, but I think if you're someone's wife, he'll look at a story. She might go, actually, dear, that's a bit crap. don't think you should do that. How about this one about witches? And why don't we have it coloured? And she probably gave him all his best ideas anyway. Give probably. A... I mean, I've heard that theory before. But it's probably me that told you. <laughs> one of the many things we've spoken about fright fest yeah. but um yeah i can believe that i mean i you know i i really like argento's early work i mean again he's a director who i've only sort of found recently yeah and, but of course the first film i got to see mm. of his was uh giallo which was fucking awful oh the one with adrian brody yes as the yellow killer it was Sorry, spoilers shit that film. it was it was very shit the best film the most recent even I, I i actually think the card player was okay if you've ever seen the card player no i've not seen the card um player. but the one before that which is called sleepless that's that was a return to form um, okay i think it's called il sono il nono or something which means sleepless <laughs> i don't I'm not, i do not know any italian um <laughs> So that was a cracking little film, but yeah. um, anyway, it's, it is funny how he he falls into the John Carpenter. Oh, yeah, my later years, my films are crap, sort of variety. Yeah. Back to Stuart Gordon and from beyond. What happens is he kills his wife off because Crawford now is like a zombie who wants to eat brains all the time, and his pineal gland pops out. You know, like a you know like a tortoise. His head come out of the shell occasionally, but about you know six inches longer, uh, and he That's actually right. sucks out her his Carolyn Purdy's Gordon's brains through her eye socket, which I think was a pretty cool idea, mm. really. That, yeah. and that was one of the scenes that was cut from the BBFC version originally, um, and has now been restored in its glory on the Blu-ray release. Yeah, I, watching that scene. Um, I couldn't quite understand why it was taken out because it wasn't that graphic. Um, I mean, you see an eyeball. Yeah, I don't. Uh, know. You don't actually see brains coming out or anything. I think. I think. I think what they do when maybe when they look at these films is they're watching the film. They watch a the film, then they get one scene that they go, "Hold on a minute, this is too much of this," you know. Um. And they decide to say no, highlight it. You know, maybe, maybe I don't know. Have you have you seen the uncut version? I believe I saw the uncut version. Yes. Okay. I'm going to watch it again. Maybe when all the all the family's out the house. Um, <laughs> uh, so it all leads to a big, you know, like a big sort of conclusion, and they all end up going back to uh, the house, and the house gets. You know, something happens at the end. I don't want to spoil it, really. Let's not spoil the end of the film. But suffice to say that it has some great lines in it. One of them is, it bit his head off like a gingerbread man. 
<laughs> uh, which is one of my favourite lines. Um, yeah. So the Beyond, from Beyond, not the Beyond, the Fulci film, from Beyond is shot with lots of garish colours, purples and pinks. Yes, lots of pinks. Yeah, um, which, you know, is a, which is a bit of a, you know, talking of Dario, he used a lot of... Uh, Broad colours like that in Suspiria, didn't he? Lighting is his lighting and the, the colours oh, yeah. he used in that were fantastic. And it gives another worldly feel, doesn't it? And uh, don't forget the pink sewers from Vamp. Yes, I remember the pink sewers from Vamp. <laughs> I do like Vamp actually; it's a great film as well. Um, so, really, for me, this film had um, Barbara Crampton in S and M gear. It had uh, Ken Fury with some great one-liners. It had a cool Lovecraftian, um, you know, Lovecraftian story. Was it Lovecraft? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And at the time, I was playing some video games with Lovecraftian themes. Uh, I can't remember the names of them right now. I know I was alone in the dark. Um, not only was it a Lovecraftian game, but it was pretty much my status when I was ever watching any of these films. Um, I was alone in the dark when I was watching them. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, Lovecraft, I, I, I love the idea of these, these weird, he's always about things from another dimension, wasn't he? Yeah, really yes. fucked up creatures. And, and if you think about it, the design of the monsters I thought was superb. The gore was awesome. Um, you know, even even the bit where Dr. Pretorius's head is, you know it's his real head, but then they stuck all this prosthetics on for, to make this freaky body and everything. It still looked great, better than Hellraiser did, when it, when you could see the big monster at the end and see them literally pushing the wheeled cart with the monster. Yeah, that was down. that was just unfortunate, the, the camera framing of that, because if it had just, just gone over a little bit to the left, you would have you wouldn't have seen the wheels. I know, and you would. I think, but yeah. I mean, at the time, did you notice that when I first saw for Hellraiser, that creature freaked the hell out of me. I wasn't looking at seeing any wheels on there. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. You can put yeah. holes in things. Years, you know, if you get any. Well, you got to remember that you know, when these films, when we watch these films for the first time, it's on VHS four by three, so all that kind of stuff was framed out. Yeah, you yeah. Could quite easily frame that stuff out. It's only with like DVD and Blu-ray when we finally got to see them in their proper widescreen presentation true, that yeah. sometimes you saw these uh, sort mm. of cracks in there. Yeah, so the, I think the effects were top-notch. Uh, he did a good job with a great little cast, a small ensemble cast as well. Um, and in fact, the cast list is almost identical to um, Reanimator. But uh, the reason I didn't choose Reanimator as my favourite film is just because I enjoy the sick story of the beyond <laughs> uh because there's plenty of flesh in 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 these other films again barbara crampton so uh yeah thanks for that barbara you've um you know i'm sure you've uh, embellished and uh, many young men's lives over the years and long <laughs> may you do so um well that that leads us nicely to my pick for movie heaven which is reanimator <laughs> <laughs> which Kelsey is not yes not a surprise to anybody because i think we've just mentioned it so many times mm. uh but yes reanimator uh was one of the films i saw when i was into my uh get really getting into horror films in my uh, teenage years and what um, a horror I, film to get into i know it's like um i remember seeing this with films like dawn of the dead yes um, 
classic hellraiser nightmare on elm street halloween uh exorcist free you know and it mm. was you know there was one of the films i would sort of rent from my local video shop and stuff mm. and uh i remember really enjoying this film and uh i hadn't watched it in a while so i came i went back to watch it it still holds up it's still still a lot of fun mm. uh i think jeffrey coombs in it is is great and it's probably his best role ever mm. yeah and, i agree uh, there. yeah mm. so uh if you don't know the story it's about a um medical student uh by the name of herbert west and he is working with a famous uh german doctor who's uh trying to work on a uh a formula to bring back the dead now at the beginning you see um herbert west using the formula on on the doctor in germany and of course his head explodes cause... i was gonna say doesn't he don't his eyes like go bulge out and explode yeah 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 his head explodes and um and of course this happens in front of um like another professor and some security guards and you think Mm. and then next thing you know he's moved to america and i do Mm. wonder why he isn't arrested maybe it's legal in germany ah you tried to reanimate your uh fallen professor we'll let you off this time Mm. frankenstein would be proud proud yes um mm. yes yeah, so um little plot need... hole there then just a little bit but i think um they needed to start the film because mm. this this is the one thing i noticed with stuart gordon uh, with his films is that there's no um preamble he, do, he doesn't fuck around does he? he just goes bang have that no you're straight into it you're straight into it mm. um so with from beyond you don't know who, um, you know, um, Jeffrey Coombs' character is or the... Uh, Dr. Pretorius. Mm. Yeah. You're just, boom. They've built the machine. He's switching it on. And there you are. You're you're seeing it from that point. Yeah. And, you know, you don't know, you know, you don't know who these people are. You don't know how long they've been building this machine. You're just straight into the action. And off yeah. you go. And it's, you know, it's kind of the same with this. I think they needed to sort of just have something at the beginning to show yeah. this formula and what it can do and just have, you know, a a scare or an effect just to start the film. And, yeah. of course, if, if the German authorities then arrested him, then uh, it, that Ooh. would be no film. <laughs> would well, that's <laughs> right. Be no film. He didn't reanimate and... anyone. No, <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, so we... We cut to America and um, we meet uh, a doctor called uh, Dan Kane, played by Bruce Abbott. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see him trying to revive uh, a woman who's just died. And in a, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and having no luck at all, you know. Yeah. And he's, you know, you can you can see why he would be somebody who would who would see... Uh, be interested. Herbert, yeah, in Herbert West's formula, yeah. What happens is then um, Herbert West becomes uh, roommates with uh, Dan Kane, who is seeing um, Barbara Cranston's character called Megan, who's the daughter of the Dean. And they're trying to keep their relationship secret. And so he moves in 
and it, he quite likes the place because it's got a basement. Mm. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> well, yes, every mad scientist needs somewhere to practice their uh, their art, and so well, Frankenstein sort of did it in the loft, didn't he? So he's gone the other opposite <laughs> way; he's gone into the basement. The basement, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, Dan Kane's character is woken up. Oh, sorry, Dan Kane is woken up by the sounds of this real this howling, and he doesn't mm. know what it, the hell it is. Oh no! Wait a minute. I skipped a bit. I skipped the bit where they find the dead cat in his fridge. Yeah, and they think that he's murdered him, and it's just a wonderful scene, isn't it? It's like, uh... well, I'm a cat lover, so I, I, it's the only issue I have is I actually don't like seeing animal cruelty in any films. To be honest with you, so no, I know, I know it was a stuffed cat. I know, I'm, I know, I'm stupid like that, but uh... well, I, I don't know. Maybe he did kill a cat. Uh, but he his excuse is just great. It's like, well, I found it dead. I was just keeping it in the fridge to, um, you know, so it wouldn't smell. And what would you rather? I read read a note, found your cat, it's dead. I was yeah. going to tell you. I think I think he definitely probably killed it. Yes, I, I actually just thinking about it, just as I'm saying it. Cats don't just drop over normally like that. Do they? No, 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 and not in such pristine condition as well well it was, it was also their cat it was someone in the flats cat it wasn't just someone of random cat off the street or anything it was one of their own their cat yeah which obviously ties in with the story as well yeah so yeah. so dan kane wakes up and he is this howling and of course um herbert west has used this formula mm. on the cat and it's going berserk because that's the thing about this reanimating formula is that uh, it does bring back uh, people but it's but they, they they're like they come back really sort of wired yeah they? they're, they're they've, it's like they've been given a shot of adrenaline and they just can't help themselves they just gotta you know go mad well it's almost to me it's like the pro whole process of reanimating to me it seems like he said to them look you've got rigor mortis so when you come back you've just suffering all this pain from the rigor mortis and everything well, it's. I think it's more akin to. Um, is it rage like, from Twenty Eight Days Later? Yeah, so that yeah, yeah. They, they're, they've they've been infected. Well, with this formula, it is like a. It's like a massive. It's like they've been hit with this massive voltage that's supercharged yeah. them, and they just have to. They just that's what they're reacting to. That's why they're so violent and sort of all over the place. Yeah, super adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah, because it's mm. um, only one of the actual reanimated bodies has any kind of control. Because mm. the rest of them, they they just seem to be very much mindless zombies. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I think that was, a, was it. Return of the Living Dead, the one where the where the uh, where the 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 guys are in this mortician's place where they supply. Yes. And then there's a bit where he said he he's he's actually dead, and he, he says, "Oh, my arms ache and everything, and all that sort of stuff." <laughs> That's that to me is where I got that from, really. That sort of feeling that when they're reanimated, they're not near they wired, but they're also in pain, and they're just like that's where the aggression comes from. Hmm. But um, yeah, so carry on. So it's all good so far. <laughs> it's green. It's green glue, goo, isn't it? That's in this uh, glow stick. It is. Apparently. It's um, yeah. It's it's very glowing. This stuff is. Apparently, it's the first time a glow stick liquid was ever used on film. Ah, 
So there you well, go. It, it's, it works really well. It works really well because it, hmm. it does give that it, a, a, a different sort of look. It, it does make it look like it could bring people back to life. Yeah. Um, so it, it, we all know what's going to go on from here. So I mean, there is humour. You know the cat when it gets reanimated? Don't they smash it around? And he goes. Oh hell, god, hell, that hell, was hell. that's so hilarious because you can see Jeffrey Coombs holding on to it. It's one yeah. of those sort of fake cat fights where you can see it's the act who's being moved around and it's not yeah. the cat that's moving him uh but still i uh, it was it was enjoyable because it was just so funny wasn't there a, wasn't there a in that scene now i might be wrong where where the light there's like a hanging light that gets knocked and they, they yes sort of, and that is yes. very psycho to me you know the bit in psycho where yeah just, i i'd seen that bit it looked like it was just that uh, uh looks a like an accident that yeah happened. Well, the music is a very uh, interesting thing, isn't it? It's very, it's oh, almost yeah, like it's, Psycho, Psycho's theme, isn't it? It is Psycho's theme. They just, uh, they just changed, they changed the tuning of it. Hmm. Seems very did, similar, doesn't it? Did, did you uh, ever did, see? Did you ever see uh, Road to Fright Fest? Yes. Do you remember the when they were doing the bit out of uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, where they're oh, driving yeah. along? Yeah, I know, yeah. And they did the bit about, uh, let's do the mu- horror music. Yeah. And uh, he goes, at his last one, he does this um, reanimator theme. And yeah. Adam Green's going, that's Psycho, no yeah. reanimator. And he co- he he's then sort of demonstrates the difference. And it is this, this it's is very like subtle, an extra, it? it's just like a note or two. It's literally the same tune. And amazingly enough, they got away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, Bernard. Well, it's the beauty I don't of music. know. Was Bernard Herrmann still around in '85? Uh, uh, I don't know. No, oh. I have no idea. Maybe he was a fan. But, um... but I mean, it it works. I have to say, out of the four films we watched, this is probably the the best of the scores. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think From Beyond had that wow sort of techno weird sort of noise when the yeah, it wasn't sort of up and yeah, it wasn't really like a like a, a a sort of theme tune or anything that you could sort of hook onto like you can with Reanimator. Although the resonator sound effects were later sampled in the song yes. Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys. Not that I've That's heard true. that either, but they they nicked it. <laughs> So yes. that so everyone is stealing off of everyone else. I know, which I know. goes but back I, to that I, Facebook what? post that you did recently. <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, people borrow stuff from other people. So absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. And the as I say, the Reanimator has a memorable theme tune, even mm. though it's Psycho. <laughs> yes, right. So. <clears throat> For you, um, if yeah. you, if you, you don't, I don't suppose you need to go through the whole plot, really. The, no, I mean, maybe no. if people can, because I notice, you know, you can give away a bit too much of it. But for you, well, I think the... if they haven't seen this film by now, it's you know, That's true. It, it's it's nineteen eighty five. This film came out. I, it's a bit late to spoil it if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I mean, we 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 have to talk about these films and to to sort of talk about them in some great detail. You need. You need a bit of spoilage in there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I know we, we try not to sort of reveal everything, but mm. if we want to talk about certain points, then we have to mm. sort of spoil the film. So, the thing 
Carry on. If you talk about the, what you like about Adam I can tell you what I like about it. But. <laughs> well, I, for me, um, you know, Jeffrey Coombs, he just he just steals the show. Every time he's on screen, he's great. It's just that sort of deadpan delivery he does mm. that makes it funny because he's very he's very blinkered to everything else going around him because all he cares about is perfecting this formula. Mm. I mean, even the point when he's obsessed. he kills, yeah. he is absolutely obsessed. I mean, the bit where uh, he decapitates Doctor Carl Hill, mm. who is the sort of the villain of the piece. Yeah, he's he's played very well, isn't he? Oh, he's uh, by David Gale. David Gale, brilliant, brilliant. He's very and, good. And of course, he knows this guy is like, you know, has caused him trouble in the past. He's he's accused him of stealing the research from his um, from the professor he was studying under. Yeah, and um, so when he decapitates him. He can't help himself but to bring back the head and the body. He's like, mm. oh, I haven't done parts before. Yeah. You know, and he just this sees it as it a chance. Really, to... really interesting now, the film, yeah. isn't it? That's it. Because then suddenly you have uh, an antagonist for them. You know, mm. somebody who's, you know, he, he steals the formula and starts trying to use it for his own wicked deeds. Mm. I mean, yeah. Because he obviously about... fancies Barbara Crampton. Yes. Along with the rest of us. <laughs> I have a feeling, uh, Mike, if you were a decapitated head with a body, that you would go back and uh, I would. and grab Barbara Crampton as well. Absolutely. I would yeah. lick my way across the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was... That... I have to say, I have to give Barbara Crampton her due because... That scene when she wakes up in the mall, yeah, and there's a head licking her. Yeah, I mean that's the uncut version. Don't forget because yes, we, we yeah, weren't yeah. allowed to see that in the UK because of the draconian bullshit censorship laws that we had to put up with. So we didn't. I didn't. Even, I, I mean, I even saw this is the thing in like horror mags and stuff like that, especially something like Fangoria, um, which is the heyday of the magazine and these films was that. They'd show her still, and there's like this head, and she'd, you know, she'd be sort of naked on this table, and you think, "Hold on a minute, where was that in the bloody film?" Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're missing out here, you know, and you know, uh, maybe the I can't remember whether the unrated version actually came out because we did for a while get unrated versions on all the video nasties and videos, didn't we? Um, I'm not for the sure. most part. I, well, I know I did. I saw Dawn of the Dead, and that was totally uncut. Yeah, um, well, I didn't get to see these films until sort of uh, the mid-90s oh, right, onwards. Yeah. So... You didn't have to put up with all that crap over. No. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I knew about it. I mean, I used to hunt down videos, you know. I used to find collectors and people like that, and they'd say, I've got the total uncut version of Opera by Dario Argento. And and they, those are the days when you'd have these this little <laughs> network of like people that would give... They'd, you'd... you'd I know in those days didn't have email, so you'd write to him or something, and then he would he would then send you a list photocopied or of handwritten of all the films he could supply you, and what he'd do he'd charge you x amount of money and he'd burn them onto these videotapes yeah and this is this is totally sort of off topic, but one this is really interesting because i got uh, i'm sure I've got reanimator on one of these uh but because he 
he was such a cheapskate. So you know, so he, he was from up, I don't know, some depressed northern area, where obviously he had to try and <laughs> supplement his his income going down the pits by selling these video nasties. He um he would over tape. Remember that where you have a tape, and then you'd over tape yes. it, and then when you got to the end of it, you'd suddenly be revealed some other garbage or whatever that you'd taped yes. it over. Yeah. Well, I was watching this with one of my my mates, and I was always the one, the the decadent one, who introduced people younger than myself to all of this nastiness that I was reveling in. And anyway, we watched this film, and then at the end is, and obviously VHS when it was well worn, there was this film on there, and it was this really bizarre thing of this bloke in the garden, and then this woman gets her arm sawn off, and and then there's something else, and it, but it was because the quality was so shit. It actually looked like a snuff film. And my mate, one of my mates was severely disturbed. And even to this day, he's like, you know, 48 or something. I says, uh, oh, so do you want to see if I get a good copy? Do you want me to get They Don't Mow Lawns Here Anymore? And he says, no, no. <laughs> and that's what the film was called. They Don't Mow Lawns Here Anymore. It looked like a really, oh, really? amateurish. I'd love to track it down and just see how bad it is. There's these guys with these weird masks and going it's like a slasher film but the acting yeah. was appalling but it really um you know was was that the film you bought or was that the film it was taped over that was a film it was taped over so he'd got some other bizarre shit and then the the further you went because obviously the tapes then went on from like an hour to two hours to three hour 180 tape wasn't it that was a 180 yeah and yeah. if you got a 240 tape then christ knows what else you were going to find lurking <laughs> at the back of the tape but that that was part of the charm it's like opening a Pandora's box. I remember going to one of those sort of video fairs out in Watford. All oh, right, and I think this must have been near the near the end of it because, um, but yeah, they had like you know, they would have copies of films like The Hills Have Eyes and The Exorcist and stuff, and they always be in these like really, they'll either be in like um, like a cardboard box yeah. that the tape came in originally, or they would have it in this like black plastic. So it wasn't even like the hard plastic it was that sort of really flimsy stuff that video rent yeah. used to come in when they first came out. I was really interested in all this stuff, but I never bought it because it just looked taboo. Really, <laughs> not taboo, but it looked really crap. It did look like somebody had taped it off the, you yeah. know, probably like several generations old and stuff. And as I say, by at that point, uh, things were changing anyway. So yeah. films that were being banned were sort of coming out, being released. Because mm. uh, I don't know if you remember, but Reser Reservoir Dogs was banned on video. Yeah, because of the ear, and, the ear razor yeah. scene. Yeah, but it was only um, it was only banned for a short while. Mm. I think it was a year or two, and it and it came out because there was such a demand for it. Mm. So I think at that point they just started realizing that you know people want to watch this kind of stuff, and mm. you know banning it is just stupid. So, um, Simon, so we've got the head between the legs of Barbara Crampton, um, and then he drags it uh, up near her nipples and all sorts, doesn't he? I mean, you've got that wrong, mate. You, it, she starts, it's nipples ah. first, and then works her way down. It's, it's when he gets down oh, to right. sort of the crotch area, he's interrupted by Herbert West. Mm. So, it's that is actually kind of cut short. I feel sorry for the poor bastard that was in the suit that had no head. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta yeah. the director must say right now just hold wave your arms move over here i mean i don't know whether you could see out of that thing but it was really good i mean the effects yes. let's mention it again the effects were awesome yeah really good i saw as i say i saw an interview 
uh, with Stuart Gordon talking about the effects and stuff. And he said what they did was they they used a whole lot of different effects, so you could never quite guess how they were doing it. Yeah. I was sort of saying it was a lot of theatre tricks that they used to sort of... Which is interesting because that. that's his background, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. And it works very well because hmm. you, you know... I mean, by today's standards, yeah, you can tell it's a guy in a suit, but it's but it still looks really good. Yeah. And it doesn't throw you off the story at all. You're not going there going, wow, and that looks really bad. He doesn't hold but... back, does he, Stuart Gordon? He, he doesn't hold back on... The blood. I mean, twenty-five gallons no. of blood apparently were used in the film. That's um, right. And uh, see, I'm nicking all the trivia that you were going to throw in. Um, and uh, he doesn't <laughs> hold back, you know. Um, and she was quite, you know, you know, she was a young actress, and how he talked her into stripping off in both, you know, most actually she stripped off more in that film than she did in uh, From Beyond. Is that right? Well, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. And that um, wasn't just a fake head. That was the actor's real head looking right up between a muffin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? He had the best yeah. job in the, in, in, on the shoot, didn't he? I think he, it, was probably, it was probably one of the reasons why he agreed to do it. It was probably For free. A, a perk. <laughs> I don't no, know about I free. Don't. I'm sure he got paid. Yeah, I know the I know the budget's like under a million. So, but the story was clever the way they, he, the, you know, he had this sort of old man lecturing after this young young hottie and uh and then yeah he... he kept a file on her didn't he yeah that's just a bit twisted as well isn't it it's so i love yeah. it it's, i love all this twisted shit in his films <laughs> it's really good um and um as i said you know to when they when they who who actually wrote this script because i because uh, i know that the, the the story that from beyond was based on apparently is only seven pages long so that's right okay well I've actually got the writing credits here. It's um, H.P. Lovecraft is credited as Story, which is Herbert West, reanimator. And screenplay is uh, Dennis Poli, William Norris, and Stuart Gordon. All right. So there's three screenplays. Because it's sort of mutated, just like the film, into more of a Frankenstein thing. You know, it's meant to be a parody, yeah. wasn't it, really? So the, so they did plan to have this dark humour in there, which is a, very much a Gordon thing as well, isn't it? That's right. He likes his black humour. <laughs> I think this film, uh, you don't see his wife get killed. I don't remember her being killed in it. No. I no, can't she, remember. She actually survives. Yeah. Oh, you know who... Um, we can't forget talking about the uh, the worst security guard ever, ever who works at who works at the mall. Yeah, every time somebody turns up, it's like it's break time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he's got it sussed, doesn't he? The dead, he the does. dead can't talk. <laughs> Even when uh, you see one of these reanimated corpses come charging out of the morgue, he's like, "Oh, I'm out of here." <laughs> There's some great set pieces in that in that middle section, isn't there? Yes. Talk about the um the bit with the the really muscular guy. Apparently he was oh he the was first one yeah that muscular guy who played him. He, I read somewhere that he um the muscular guy that 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 gets is he is he got no head? No, he, he oh, does. No, he has. He's, he's just mental, he isn't he? Yeah, because he's um I think because he's not fresh that he's been. That like he died quite a while. He's he doesn't have like any brain matter left. Was he hanging up on a hook? No. Oh, okay. I'm seen it in a while. I should have watched it. 
<laughs> no, they everybody was always on like a a, a medical. Oh, table. that's right, in a big bag, plastic bag, wrapped around, it, around yeah. them, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he goes barreling through a door, and doesn't it flatten someone? Um, yeah, it does. Oh, it flattens the dean, and the dean is the is the dad of Barbara Crampton, is that's right? Because yeah. um, the the zombie actually kills him, and they reanimate him, and of course, yeah. Uh, that's when uh, Doctor Hill then sort of realizes that Herbert West is onto something. Yeah, because he re- he he discovers through a lobotomy that that's right the dean's actually dead. Wasn't there quite a graphic scene on that lobotomy as well? Wasn't there? Uh not really. No, because he he has he's developed this new laser technique of uh, lobotomy, so it's kind of like a, a laser beam. I don't I don't remember there being a like like a really in-depth I'm getting confused happens at my age I've <laughs> seen so many your of horror films. films mixed up yeah I mean it was it was really done very well for its budget you could tell there was restraints but they just sort of built the story within those restraints so it, it worked really well was this one of these films that was filmed in Rome like uh, some of from beyond because um, I know that they got t- they did a lot of these films in in Italy, didn't they? Because of Charles and Richard Band, they were they were Empire Pictures, weren't they? Yeah, um, I I think Reanimator was shot in LA. All right, okay. Um, I don't know about the other films. They probably were filmed in Rome. I mean, you know, Hollywood has a history of filming abroad because it's cheaper to do it yeah. than to actually film in LA. So I think the studio stuff they would have filmed possibly abroad, maybe locations they filmed external, but interior locations, I think you might find a lot of them were actually shot in, in, in Italy because that was definitely something that they did. Mm. Um, well, I, I don't know. But the morgue looked case. great, didn't it? The morgue looked very convincing. I I have to say I think it looked to me it looked like location I didn't didn't look like a set. Mm. But they had so yeah. much claret flying everywhere, didn't they? Oh god, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe it was set. It was a very very well built set. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's yeah. Reanimators, you know, um, still holds up to this day. Mm. And uh, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of fun, and it's got a really and, good ending, uh, I think, as well, which we, we yeah. won't spoil. No, we won't spoil that. Really good. I must one one quick thing. I did really feel sorry for the dean. He was there's yes. a lot. They they got a lot of empathy, you know, a lot of pathos in there, which is sort of you know drawing on the Frankenstein thing, wasn't it? You know, yes. feeling sorry for yeah. the the monster that he'd created. You know, um, now how many sequels were there to Reanimator? Uh, I know two. Yeah, Bride of Reanimator. <laughs> and Beyond Reanimator. Right. I think I did see Beyond Reanimator, but and everyone was obviously a lot older. Uh, yeah, was Gordon that was involved the two... in any of those? No. 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 He'd moved on by then. Yes, because... Us- um... Was Yusner the guy? Because Yusner went off and did Society, which I think is a great little f- uh, film. Yeah. Yeah, I know Brian Yusner did... Um... Bride of Reanimator. I'm not sure if he did um, Beyond Reanimator. Yeah, yeah. Now, did Bride of Reanimator actually? Was it like one of these films where it just picks up immediately from where the last one ended? 
Um, I can't remember for the life of me. I don't know. I, I, I must admit, I have not seen any of the sequels, so I don't know. Oh, you haven't? Oh, well, maybe that's something I to haven't. put on your list. <laughs> My ever-growing list of films to watch. Yeah, yes. you and me both. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm interested in, in seeing them now because I, I really enjoyed watching this again. So. What was the budget for the, for the reanimator film? Just interesting enough. I'd be interested. In what the original one? Yeah, original budget. It was under a million. I mean, that's pretty damn good. You know, yeah. in those times, yeah. you know, under a million. Obviously, he's not drawing on well-known faces. Those faces became well-known in the horror genre after that, didn't they? That's I right. I wonder what was Jeffrey Coombs in before? Was he one of maybe one of his one of his stage actors that he picked up or something? Um, well, I think Reanimator is his first uh, film credit. But he must have been acting before that. Oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah. I'm, it, probably just in stuff that. You know, this was probably his 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 breakout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed the film, and it made a mint, didn't it? And it and home mm. DVD or not DVD, uh, VHS. Video. It, it went like <laughs> gangbusters, didn't it? It did. It was it was a big hit for uh, Empire. Yeah. So that's Which, hence why um, Stuart Gordon went to was able to make From Beyond immediately afterwards. Yeah. So that's right. I mean, that's a pretty good couple of years, you think. 85, Reanimator, 86, 86 From Beyond, from and beyond. then leading on to my movie Hell uh, <laughs> film, which was made yeah. in 1987. Uh, and apparently this film was actually uh, shot before From Beyond in 86 and shot on some of the same sets. When I read that, I thought that was bullshit because... Having a look at the the location from this film and from beyond, they just did not look the same. I, maybe it was the outside of the building. I think it's the. I think it's yeah. I think the sets. It's internal sets, and and uh, and this was filmed in Rome. I know for a fact. And and again, like the Hammer Films production, they would take a set. Apparently, there's a set of staircase that's uh, used in Hammer Films that appears in about ten or twenty of their films. And it's just like in different places. Mm. One time, the steps would lead down to a graveyard in Plague of the Zombies. And then another one, it would be a set of steps leading up to, you know, Frankenstein, Curse of Frankenstein's laboratory or something. You know, they, they reused yeah. and mixed and matched sets. And uh, I actually think that there could be some truth in that it was utilised, um, you know. I mean, so this is, so basically Reanimator came out. Then he went in and made this film called Dolls. And the reason it was uh, delayed for so long was because they had a lot of post-production effects. Now, Dolls, um, I watched years ago when it came out, um, and probably in the 80s, it, it didn't really um, strike me as being too shit. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately, due to my broadband going down and things like that, I have re-watched Dolls over about a piecemeal. I have about five different sessions, and to be quite honest with you, I don't think I could have watched it from beginning to end in one session. It was a struggle. Struggle, Jesus. It was a real struggle. Mm. And I, I, I tell you the reason why I found it a struggle, I thought the idea was very good. I just thought the main characters in it were just horrible and it mm. was really badly acted. Well, let's let's start at the beginning, which is um, one of the bizarrest big openings to a film I've seen in a long time anyway. Mm. Um, I know that... Um, you know, when we're as filmmakers, we're looking at a film and saying, you know, oh, we've got to make sure the audience can follow it, and you don't want to leave too many things loose ends because you know some people don't 
ingest all the information in such a short space of time if you're doing a short you know because i've done a feature like you so far so um you know short i've only done short so um yeah give it time yeah i know i know yeah got one on the i got one on the drawing board anyway um but uh, it starts off in a like classic sort of people in the car and there's a really foul couple obviously with with stuart gordon's wife playing this real bitch who's apparently got some money you got this you know what's the word someone who's got no testicles whatsoever who's the who's henpecked yeah something like that yeah uh and basically they're in this car and they got this young child and you know bless her she did she did try the young girl to deliver the she was probably the best thing in it which I is saying quite a lot. i liked her yeah i can stand her you know ch- chill i don't like children at the best of times but uh, <laughs> to see them in in a film uh acting especially a horror film um yeah which is you know which is one of these things that my wife often says to me if i said oh i've got this really great idea there's gonna be all this really horrible violence and we need a child in it to be one of the main characters she said oh my god you know what effect is that going to have on the poor things you know so I'm constantly pulled up on any ideas like that because, you know, I mean, this film was, this film is basically a Grimm's fairy tale. People, it reminded me of Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know, when there's a big storm and then they see a house and what do they do? Apart from bickering and arguing in the car, their car conks out. So what they do is pissing down the rain. Oh, let's get out into the wet and walk up to this, this, this mansion and then there's um, a brief dream sequence where this girl's got a teddy bear and the bloke chucks it into the bushes and then what is really a really good effect actually this fucking huge teddy bear suddenly appears um and it i think it rips someone's arm off and it it, yeah but the 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 great effect though is you you see it as like a massive teddy and then you see this creature sort of tear its way out Mm. the the fur and that's what rips the the couple into two, yeah. and then, and the little girl goes, "Oh, <coughs> Teddy!" Yeah, and then you just realise it's a dream sequence. Yeah. You're like, "What?" Uh, and it's the best sequence of the entire film. No, for me. it is. It was. It's like, what the fuck? Because you're, you're thinking, you're thinking, thank God, mm. we we don't have to spend the rest of the film with this couple now. Again, oh, we do. Again, Stuart Gordon goes for it straight from the off, and that must have been his yeah. way of thinking. How can I liven up this? dour thing that i'm having to make Uh, and he does that so they go in this house they break in as every normal person would do even though there's lights on or whatever (laughs) and then they get confronted by a shotgun wielding owner uh a british actor i believe i can't remember his name i haven't got any details Uh, his name is guy rolf guy rolf yeah um Yeah. yeah he wasn't he in a werewolf film he was in wasn't he in the hammer film I think he might. Well, he, he has he, that he, sort he, of gravitas. Yeah, I think Guy. I, I, I only know that because I've got a Curse of the Werewolf with Oliver Reed film poster, Belgian one, and I'm sure Guy Rolf's name is on there. And I think he was the one that maybe hunted it down and shot him at the end. Oh, okay. Oh, again, another film I've not seen. What Curse of the Werewolf with Oliver Reed? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm a lot older than you, aren't I? So <laughs> I used to stay up and watch the late night horror double bills on BBC Two. You know, black and white, oh, okay. sort of 30s or 40s film, followed by a Hammer film. You know, with all the colour yeah. and blood. So that's where I come from. Um, anyway, he break in and they go, oh, he's got this old biddy who's his wife. He's oh, very posh speaking English. Ah, oh, one thing I omitted is that, is when they drive by down this road at the beginning, there's some punk 
women punk rockers that go, oh, cool, yes. blimey, mate, you wanker, <laughs> and all this stuff, and you don't know where it's... An... Oh, no, they're, they're not just punk rockers, they're Cockney they're punk, Cockney rock, punk rockers, 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 which means they're obviously yeah. Americans playing English people. No, they're, they're not, they're not? actually. No, Unbelievable. Not. Uh, one of the actresses was in the EastEnders. Really? Yeah. Absolutely appalling. Um, yeah. And they've got hot, tons of makeup on, and they're all in the rain in the middle of nowhere. It's literally like me going down a farmer's field around the track and, and saying, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's going to be lots of people walking along this fucking road. Or, or tramps who just wandered the country's lanes. Because mm. there, there seems to be a lot of those. Yeah, so they so they they're invited in and they're out, you know, and the, the little doll. You start seeing that there's dolls everywhere, and, and I think the old geezer give got Mr. Rolf gives the, the young girl uh, a punch and Judy puppet because uh, Teddy Bear. That's right, because the young girl's name is Judy. Judy. Yes. Um, and um, and they're sitting around the table having. I think they're going to have some food or something. And then literally, some geezer just walks in through the French windows with these two punk girls with him, and he's <laughs> yeah. an American who looks like the guy from the thing that uh, had the heart attack. All oh, right, but it's, it's not, not him. Do you not recognise him? No. Well, I know he's been in some some other things. Oh, Go right. on, tell us. He. He is the turncoat cop in RoboCop 2. He's the one that RoboCop beats up in the in the arcade. Uh, well, obviously not a, not a, not a big impression made on me on that. Right? Oh come on! But the the best bit when Kane and his gang capture him and they split him down the middle with a scalpel. Oh, do you know what? I can't even remember RoboCop 2. <laughs> it's been that long. <laughs> Well, that's where I recognised him from, and I think this is probably his yeah. biggest role he's ever had as as the lead well, in this film. Well, he film. was okay. He comes in as yeah. this mild, nice, friendly American chap who rescues these cockneys, horrible cockneys, from the rain, and then basically <laughs> yeah. the, the the guy who owns the house says, "Yeah, fine, join in, and we'll all put you in yeah. separate rooms, and you can have a jolly, you know, stay out of the weather." And they say, "Well, the weather's like that round here, and it's all very gothic. It's a very gothic." Uh, fairy tale type atmosphere and you know the little girl sees little she says she sees li the little people or whatever and they're these that's right yeah. the, the, the dolls are animated um, yes. and then the horrible woman just gets more horrible and there's a lot of poncing around the house with the lightning going off and they're going around with these candles which which are incredible they have a candelabra and no matter how much <laughs> they run the lights do not go out on these candles Unless they need them to go out, there was yeah. a couple of times when they did go out just so that they can uh, go into pitch black darkness, mm. so the dolls could run about and do their thing. And it takes ages before the one of the punk girls goes off in, and she gets attacked by these dolls, and they 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 they, they sort of basically run her into the into the skirting. Oh, board. that was nasty! You thought it was nasty? I thought it was rubbish. I thought that <laughs> I thought that was absolute. No, that was quite nasty. Her face every time they rammed her into the the siding there there was just more sort of Claret, yeah. <laughs> more done in i mean no i thought that look i thought the effects in this was really good yeah and the, the effects I, were good there's there's some there's some nice moments in it it's just unfortunately it was just the characters in it, in it were just really really horrible and you know as you say it's kind of like a hans christensen story where you know it, it, bad things happen to bad people Correct. that was the whole whole theme of the film wasn't it but the problem was there was nothing 
that likable about them. There was no. nothing that would make you want to watch them. No. I have to thank God this is his shortest film. It came in in that 83 minutes. Thank fuck. Yeah, the dialogue was appalling. There's a number of things where they find this this punk girl upstairs, and what is quite good is she's in the corner. A friend finds her, and and these fake dolly eyeballs roll out of her. Oh, that's face. right, yeah. Um, and you you can see that the it's like black where her eyes. Yeah, are. yeah. They're just black holes. Yeah, they didn't actually gouge her eyes out, Simon. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they didn't. Oh, they, they refrained from doing that, even though. <laughs> <laughs> gouging my own eyes out when I was watching this film. Um, yeah, you and me both. Um, and then there's then what happens is the the real bitch of the piece. She she gets assaulted, and what's quite funny, she looks down and there's one of them with a hacksaw soaring through her oh, leg. Oh god, yeah. Um, and the dolly effects are quite, quite good. There's it's a mixture of practical and a lot of stop motion. Um, and to be fair, what they they had some scenes where the dolls they they look around and they're making these really creepy smiles so i can understand some people really love this film and they're the sort of people who are freaked out by dolls you know just like some people are freaked out by clowns and things mm. but i'm neither of those well as i said this is is actually a very good idea for a story because um the 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 american guy uh character's actor's name called stephen lee yeah. Um, he tells a story about how his father used to tell him that the t- his toys would come alive when yeah. he went to sleep. And, you know, I my my father told me a similar story. And he used to, you know, freak me out a little bit. But it's a good idea because, I mean, look at Toy Story. Toy Story is exactly the same. The it toys is. come alive when the, um, when the children or the parents aren't in the room. It's just Toy Story's, mm. you know, a much lighter version of this. I think the execution and the script and, and the whole premise for the film could have been a lot better. Yeah, um, and, uh, it, and, um, it, it, felt, it felt rushed. It, it really did feel rushed. It felt, um, I mean, as you say, it was a film that they shot in between Reanimator and From Beyond. So they they must have done it in a very short amount of time, and I think also with the script writing. Well, they probably took a year because if you got eighty five for Reanimator. Well, no, because but I'm saying Reanimator from Beyond. Oh, of course, yeah. eighty six. Because But they shot the this. One, yeah. They shot this in between the two of them. Mm. So it's I I think conception shooting it was just very quick, and I have to say the the choice of actors in it as the sort of the, these characters, these bad characters who are going to be punished. They were fucking awful. I don't think the act, the actors themselves were pretty bad. I mean, I think Rolf was good. They, they, uh, they, the father, he was horrible. He was rubbish. He, 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 yeah. he was rubbish. I have to say, uh, Stuart Gordon's wife was terrible. She came off as a bitch, but she, she it's just nothing. There wasn't enough, nothing about her that would make you want to watch her. She's not like watching, mm. um, I'm trying to think of somebody off the top of my head, like uh, um, Devella. Oh, God, um, Cruella Deville. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know that that's 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 the kind of character they they're going for. It was a bit campy. And Cruella Deville is you know you can you can watch her as a villain. Uh, this woman, oh, it's just horrible to watch. And as you say, the the two punks, <laughs> the just, young girls doing that. Yeah, I uh, mean. That was that was appalling. I mean, where someone got. I mean, they're trying to. I think maybe they got Guy Rolf to to act. And they thought, oh, well, let's set this in, in England, so then we'll get some English, 
you know, punk, what's English at the moment? Oh, punk's very English. We'll throw them in there. Um, well, it, I, I, what, back in 86, it wasn't that English. I mean, punk had sort of died came, out, came and it, went. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, you saw the odd one, but it wasn't like the height of, of punk. No. But um, I, I have to say, though, I did quite like the way um, the second punk got killed. Because she was really kicking up, kicking ass up to that point. I mean, she was sort of, she was breaking all those spells. Yeah. She got done by a firing squad of toy soldiers. That's right. Mm. But I'm saying up to that point, she was smashing those dolls, and you could see like their little skeletons underneath. Well, that was good. really creepy. That reminded me of um, a, a film called Asylum by Amicus, where they had one of the stories where Herbert Lom made this toy robot and he controlled it using his mind, and then it got squished. And as he it got stamped on, because he'd linked himself with this creature. Whatever happened to the robot happened to him, and you saw these guts oh, oozing okay. out, and that was much better for me. Much more okay. of a fun story. Have you never seen that? No. Again, Asylum. No That's a great portmanteau okay. film where this guy goes around this asylum and each person has a freaky story to tell that sent them in insane. Yeah. That's a really good film. That's a great amicus yeah. film. Actually, when you bring up the point of going insane, I just want to say something about the end of From Beyond. And I wanted to say this earlier, but I'm going to say yeah. it now. Did you buy the fact that she goes crazy at the end? Because I didn't. I thought that was a bit, that was not really, I, I, I just didn't make any sense to me. Well, she'd that gone, she would go through all that and, and she'd turn out crazy. Well, maybe it's just the fact that you haven't been, been attacked by Dr. Batoris in your own home, you know, where he's trying to uh, <laughs> you know, eat, eat your mind and uh, abuse you with all slime all over him and tentacles coming out of people's foreheads. So I mean, if you saw that, maybe you'd go fucking crackers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think I might. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I, why I'm saying that is because I've seen so many films where women survive, mm. you know, horror films, and none of them go crazy. Yes, they have their problems, but they don't go immediately nuts like that. Maybe it was the fact that she was submitted to the, you know, she was subjected to all of that, uh, the resonator, and it, and it, it altered her perception slightly. You could e you could easily Maybe. argue that. But Maybe, back to yeah. dolls. The um the reason the film <laughs> was released in eighty seven was because they spent another year in post production with all the animation because there's a yes. I mean you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of dolls to animate imagine you have a row of like twenty dolls on the floor and each one has to make an expression move an arm or or something it must have taken them forever to do that and that was definitely done by an Italian crew. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was shot in camera, but yeah, it was all the stuff of the moving that was yeah. sort of um, animation. It reminded me of of Chucky, you know, in uh, Child's Play, and I don't know whether any of the guys were involved in the effects for that, but it, it had a bit of a Chucky esque look to it. Obviously, he's it a doll did as a well. Bit, but remember, though, Chucky also had. Um... Uh, a little person running around in the suit as well so yeah that, well, that's, that's fair enough watching that now that just makes me laugh because you you can clearly see it's a yeah. little person in the suit one of Peter Dinklage's first roles apparently no I'm only joking <laughs> Chucky <laughs> um, so, so have the... you seen Peter Dinklage's actual first role no it's a film called Living in Oblivion you, you'd love it it's about <clears throat> it low film? independence sorry is it a porn film no, it's not a porn <laughs> film. It's about low budget filmmaking. You'd you'd love it. Oh really? Nice. Yeah. I like Yeah, films search it out. Living in Oblivion. It's hmm. it's got Peter Dinklage in it, Steve Buscemi. 
Mm. Uh, right. Catherine Keener. It, it's it's really good, and you know mm. you'll enjoy it just from the just you know being in that situation of like making films of other people. All right. Well, so basically, the film then ends on this note where it's like it's got this sort of uh, wrap around thing. So as they as the young girl and the American survive, uh, and, and oh yeah, the good thing. What was quite cool was where the the man father of the young child was turned into mutated yeah. using this doll makers process of whatever into like Witchcraft. mr punch wasn't he he was mutated yeah. and so he became because mr punch got destroyed by him and then they turned him into yeah. the new mr punch didn't they well we, we've forgotten to talk about um guy rolf's wife in it um hillary mason she who's she's the well, she's not his wife, but in the film, she plays the character of his wife, and yeah. she's the witch. She's the one who turns people into dolls. Because that's yeah. the thing, is that these four nasty people, in the end, turn, are turned into dolls. Yeah. Even right. though they are killed in quite horrible ways. They look quite good, the dolls, at the end, actually, as Yes, well, they did. They they, they quite... actually look like the actors, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe they should have got the actors to... The dolls to do the acting instead of them. <laughs> but, uh, I yes. know that... Um, she yeah. actually appears in will will be in the second your choice for the movie hell. But anyway, so dolls yes, ends does, with this yeah. wraparound where they, yeah. they they depart and then you see another car conking out. So it's like this, it's like their little web where basically anyone who's driving in the middle of nowhere in a car suddenly conks out has to go to the house and then they they gain a collection of dolls. Which and because they're old people, I suppose it's inferred that basically they've been collecting these people for donkey's years. And all the dolls in there are, are victims of, of people that have disappeared from the highway. Yeah, it's just not normal people. They're 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 bad people. I mean, yeah. even the the car that breaks down at the end. Yeah. Um, the father in it, you can hear him shouting at the kids. So yeah. You you know, it's only bad people who break down and have to visit this house. Mm. Overall, the film for me was just too long winded. The characters I didn't yeah. really care about. There were some nice, you know, effects and things like that. And if you're into dolls, you might you might rate it as really highly. But looking back on it now, it's it's, it's I, I can't stand it. And really, uh, it 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 didn't have all of the things that I like in a Stuart Gordon film, which is the twisted, perverse elements to it, and all the awesome, you know, Jeffrey Coombs and and the the amazing effects even though there were some good effects they just were not at the same level for me at all it was yeah. it was a... i also have to add the music was just so overcooked oh. I mean, it was just literally all the time and it just oh it just was annoying me yeah i i think um dolls is actually a film i think you could remake and you could probably make it a lot better yeah i was thinking of doing it with action man <laughs> Yeah, but that would uh, be then small soldiers, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it would be a cool um, small soldiers, though. The other thing is um, Stuart Gordon hasn't made a huge – he's done a few films, but I've not actually seen a lot of his other films. So when it came to choosing movie hell, um, it was a bit difficult. I want to see King of King of Ants or something. That, that. Oh, Okay. I want to see that. I want to track that down. There's one called Dagon, which where you return to Lovecraft as well. And to be yeah. fair, I can't actually say I've seen a lot of his other works, really. I like Fortress. Fortress, Fortress is, good. is good. Yeah, Christopher Lambert. Yeah, I really enjoyed I didn't realise he directed it. Yeah, that's actually 
a step yeah. up in terms of budget, I suppose. And yeah, and it was it was just um, it was like less of an know, independent it, film, more of a big Hollywood budget film. Ish. Wasn't it? I wouldn't say it was like big budget, but it it looks bigger than its actual budget. I mean, I yeah. really enjoyed. Um, fortress and i also did the remake of uh the pit and the pendulum oh yeah i saw that that was good jeffrey combs yeah. was in that wasn't he yes yeah and that was the one thing that was missing from dolls there was no uh jeffrey combs no. cameo or appearance in it at all so i think that's probably no. one of the reasons why it didn't work well but mm. unfortunately my pick for movie hell did have a jeffrey combs cameo in it and that is robo jocks mm. Yes. Film that when you told me you were going to choose that, I said, "Oh, I thought that was all right," but then I've watched it again since then. Yes. Now, then, when did this come out? All right, let me let me tell you a story. Uh, I remember seeing the trailer for this on uh, a video I rented. Me and too. I this, uh, this looked like the best thing ever: robots fighting each other. Yeah, amazing. I mean, it came out, but I think it came out 89. around the same time, eighty-nine. So it's about the time of Transformers. So you know, we had like the cartoon version of that, but we were going to get like a live-action one: massive robots fighting each other. Now, and to that day, I don't think there had been any other sort of robots fighting movies had there, except, except probably in Japan, maybe. Yeah, uh, but. Um, the the thing for me was this this looked like it was going to be a battle royale. I mean, the trailer made it look like there was going to be all these battles in there. Yeah, and it was you know, and I thought, yeah, this is going to be great. So as soon as it came out for rental, mm. I was there. I got it, and you know, straight away you're thrown into the action. You see, like the um, American being killed off by the Russian being destroyed. And you think, yeah, this is fucking hardcore. It's a PG, yeah. but it's hardcore. It's going to be great. <laughs> and then you have to wait 20 minutes or so, uh, f waiting for Achilles to, uh, mm. to get into his. And so you get to meet Achilles, who's their champion. He's fought, was it uh, nine battles? And this is going to be his 10th battle. He's a typical low rent action, low budget action character actor, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you his name. It's uh, Gary Graham. Gary who Graham. Who actually I thought was, who was very good in the Alienation TV series. Yeah, well, I didn't see that, but I, I remember seeing the, the original film Alienation. Wasn't James Kahn in that? It was James Kahn in it, yeah. Yeah, I like that film. And um, Mandy who Patankin. Who directed that? I don't know. See, I caught you out. <laughs> <laughs> no, <catch> you out. <laughs> but anyway. Um, You've got your IMDb up on your screen, then you're thinking, oh, damn it, damn it, he's caught me out. <laughs> I don't know either. Well, I'm here it to talk good. about Rainbow Alienation Jocks. was a pretty cool idea on, on like race and equality and... I enjoyed Alien Nation. I mean, it's, it was great to sort of see a cop film mm. where they had like a, in aliens had come to Earth and it was kind of done in a realistic way. Mm. I'd never saw the TV series. I didn't even know they had a TV series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, they um, they also had like um, TV movies made of it as well. So. All right. But yeah, Gary Graham was in that, taken over from uh, James Caan. It, it was very good in that. Mm. So back to the trailer. You you look at this trailer and you're going, "This looks the bollocks." I'm talking about All the right, film, okay. and the film was, you know, so you, you have this whole thing where you know these, they're the Robo Jocks. 
they're fighting for territory. There's no more wars. They 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 duke it out, you know, in arenas with these giant robots, which is very much like rollerball. One of my favourite science fiction films of all time. Yeah, exactly. Which I've just got on Blu-ray again, which looks awesome. <laughs> They've just released it on Blu-ray. I haven't watched it yet, but I know I watched it. Looks at some of the behind the scenes. It's a fucking awesome film. That is. Yeah, yeah. I I I really like Rollerball. I think it's it's a great film, and they obviously borrowed the idea of that f- for this film, and yeah. then threw in the whole sort of. Um, Greek mythology with Achilles. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know where Tex comes into it. So you've got this t- character, this sort of, hi, ma'am, I'm Texan. He's wearing a bloody you know, hat all Tex. the time. Is... Yeah, yeah. What's the matter with him? I don't know, but it's like you have all these names like Achilles and Athena, hmm. and then you've got Tex. Now, the bad guy's pretty and... good in this, isn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the he's got some he's got i i have to say his delivery Alexander. is great because his lines are awful was it they have this bit where they're they're facing off at like in a press conference and he goes i will kill you to death yeah classic line it's <laughs> just like what the fuck somebody actually wrote that I'm going to kill you today. Someone actually said it on film. <laughs> Somebody actually said it. I was able to sell it. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, you, you, so you, you get to sort of, uh, sort of see the robo jocks in training. Cause they've got these characters. Um, they're like test tube, uh, humans that they yeah. refer to as tubies. Well, well, they were definitely conceived in the eighties, judging by their hairstyles. <laughs> yeah. Big, yeah. big coloured buttons and and things like that, and all the controls and the and and all the they try to make it. That's the trouble when you're on low budget, making science fiction look 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 reasonable. I have to say, I thought the uh, RoboJock suits looked really good. Actually, you, it's kind of like what you would imagine it would look like. Well, in, in reality, the actual ones they used were five foot tall. The actual ones they had to animate. Yeah, I, but I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the actual robots. I'm talking about the suits the the robo jocks actually had to wear. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because they've got all the wires and stuff, and they're all hooked up so that their yeah. movements are transmitted to the robot. And it's a good idea. Um, yeah, good idea. Yeah, I mean, it looks. I mean, it does look like that uh, Achilles has got the Nintendo Power Gloves on mm. <laughs> on both hands, you know, to control this robot. But hey, why not? You know. Yeah. I, 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 this is the thing. The production design generally was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the robots. The robots look pretty kick-ass as well it's just the story was shit i mean the thing is this was a 10 million dollar production so they had the budget yeah but the problem was is that so you've got this whole stupid story about them trying to find a traitor within Mm. when what it should have been about was you know it should have been about robots fighting fighting robots yeah yeah I mean, so, okay, so you have this first battle between Achilles and Alexander, who's this, the, the Russian, mm. who will kill you to death. <laughs> and, of course, what happens is he does an illegal move with a fist that fires out and they're so, not supposed to be able to use um, weapons. It's a secret weapon that one side is meant to have a green laser or something, and then they did they have it as well. That's part of the conspiracy. Well... Yeah, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna get onto it. I think that's the stupid part. I mean, so you know, so 
but there's things going out of control and it's going towards the audience because they've actually got people sitting there. Uh, they've actually got bleachers. Mm. I think they actually refer to him as uh, as bleacher bums. Mm. So there you go. It's called back to his original to his first TV movie. Yeah. Um, and of course, Achilles gets in the way, and of course, this fist, this flying fist, knocks him to the ground, and of course, he kills them all. Yeah, he falls on the on the throng that's watching. His robot falls down and goes smash, kills kids and everything. That's it. And so he's haunted by that. Yeah. But then. You've got this whole thing then with, um, you know, they're trying to find out who the traitor is. They know there's a traitor being there all the time. Mm. And uh, instead of, and so you've got that going on. Also, you've got Achilles, he's quit because he's, because the, the match didn't count as his last one. Mm. You know, he's supposed to do 10. And they're fighting for the control of Alaska, by the way, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Alaska. but I, I mean, the, but the <laughs> thing at the end of the day, I, I just, it's that uh, you know that sort of fact just really doesn't I, it doesn't add anything, does it? Anything to it? No, it's, it, there's no sort of no sort of threat or anything. No. It's, you know, you don't you're not feeling fucking it. There's no sort of um, what's the word I'm trying to think? Uh, stakes. I mean, the stakes really aren't that high. It is a PG, isn't it? This film. It is. It's 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 this weird film where. It's it's kind of like it's trying to sort of be realistic and a kids' film at the same time. Well, this is the the problems that that they had, wasn't it? Because Stuart Gordon clashed with the sci-fi writer Haldeman, um, and John Hal Joe Haldeman wanted it to be more serious science fiction, and and Stuart Gordon wanted to liven it up, make it a bit more stereotypical, and come out with cheese. Yeah. He wanted to add a lot more fromage than the uh, Haldeman wanted. Oh, it was it was a lot of fromage in it. Um, and so there is like a good, I don't know, it's, it's at least half an hour mm. where there is no robots fighting. I each know, other. how tedious. Yeah, so the whole thing is so the, the all the sort of tubies cadets sort of duke it out yeah. to, um, you know, to, to pick one of them to replace Achilles. And how they do this is the climbing frame of death. Nice. Everyone should have one. <laughs> Every child's school should have one. <laughs> it's just, it's shaking and it's like uh different bars have different threats some are heated some are frozen some will fall off mm. you know some will produce gas all this kind of stuff and you have to reach your reach the the top and go through a hole at the end mm. and uh, Athena is the winner and of course uh, Achilles has got a major crush on yeah. this girl and so uh, he decides to come back out of retirement so that she won't uh, fight in her in his place. Mm. She she's not happy about this, so she drugs him, and then they have a fight, <laughs> and then he lock she locks him in the room, and then goes goes out to battle Alexander in his place. And hopefully, she gets a good old ass whooping. <laughs> she gets a massive ass whooping. Mm. I mean, Alexander's too much for this girl, mm. but. In, in, so in the middle of this, you, it turns out that Tex was the traitor all along. Well, of course he is. He's wearing a stupid hat indoors all the time. It's obvious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, he kills the uh, professor who's, you know, he, he's the one who creates the Japanese the fella. The Japanese fella. What was, his, what was his motivation, by the way, for being a, you know... Do you, I don't know. That's bad, isn't it? They don't even give him any motivation for doing it. This is money. I think it might have been money. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was the fact that he um, 
they set it up that he won against this bigger robot. They had no chance, and it was just like a lucky shot that he got. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they there was a crack in the actual robot suit, and for him to actually shoot his laser at that exact point, he needed he would have needed to know that yeah, in the first place. Yeah. That, that was the clue. I mean, you know, it's dealt with so quickly when it's revealed when the, the robots enters the arena, there's a video showing, you know, mm. showing Athena, the, the secret weapon this robot has now. Mm. And, um, which is a very bright light. Nice. Very dangerous a bright very, lights. Look at Gremlins didn't yeah. like bright lights. No, they did not. <laughs> gremlins don't they like don't. bright lights. Bright light, bright light. <laughs> Unfortunately, she wasn't fighting a gremlin. She was <clears throat> fighting a big Russian who was able to uh, <laughs> shake it off very quickly. So drawing this, but I'm just, I just want to say about Tex, but Tex, but Tex, but Tex, you know. So he's found out. What does he do? He jumps out the window, and that's it. And that's it. <laughs> you know? He thought he was going to land on a horse below, and it wasn't there. <laughs> I think the horse might have moved because he goes splat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, this is, again, didn't bring anything to it. So, no. okay, so the two robots fight. Achilles get, um, Athena gets her ass kicked. Achilles goes out there and, you know, Alexander's about to squish the robot. Mm. And, you know, Achilles says the best line in the whole film. It's like, I'm going to get in this machine. I'm going to kick your ass. There we go. Jeez. (laughs) Absolutely. And then we get what was in the trailer, all the sort of robot fighting, Mm. going out into space where, uh uh-oh, Achilles gets shot in the hill. Oh, wow. That's an amazing sort of riff on his name, isn't it? Yes. Who who would have thought it, hey? So, yeah, they, they fight and Achilles' robot, gets uh damaged beyond repair can't and so he jumps out the machine and alexander's still chasing after him and he's able to use the flying fist from before to to knock alexander's robot so alexander's trying to fist achilles (laughs) no achilles is trying to fist alexander oh sorry the fist fisting actually that that oh it's actually you know what? I know you're making this a joke, but the end of the film, the last shot of the film, is the two of them fist bumping. Oh, excellent. Nice. They actually like each other. Yeah, I, that was so... That was such the what-the-fuck ending. Mm. I mean, absolutely. So they're trying to kill each mm. other, and Achilles makes this speech about, we don't have to do this, we're robot jocks, we're better than mm. this. And Alexander, who's wanted to kill him to death... Mm throughout the whole film suddenly has a change of heart and they're best buddies and they fist bump and that's the end amazing oh god i mean i i back in i remember when i watched this i was so bloody disappointed i thought what the hell and it now as an adult it's even worse it's such it's such a bad film and not only that this is the film that basically bankrupted charles band and empire pictures it pretty oh, much right. bankrupted them. Ten million. Qu- if you think all their films have been like a million or less, mm. and then, and then they splurge all this money on robot jocks, and it turns out to be such a dire piece of crap. Yeah. I mean, they they did they did do well with like you know marketing and and things like that, but I'm sure they didn't. You know, 
that's a lot of money in even back then even even now but back then it would have been a big yeah. they were out on a limb on that one yeah it was a, a gamble that didn't pay off i mean it's very much it's very much like canon with uh, masters of the universe because that was the film that really sort of they they spent so much mm. money into they put so much money into that film that it did it more or less bankrupt yeah i think they were only made i know they made cyborg after that and mm. I know maybe one other film and that was it. That yeah. was Canon Gone. Stick to what you're good at. That's what I say. Well, but I was going to say when Canon went down, it was a big deal here because they owned uh, the cinema That's chain. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of cinemas, local cinemas, that went down. They bought up a lot of the ABCs, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. So when they went under, a lot of those cinemas disappeared. Yeah. I mean, I had two in my area. I had one in Edgware and in um, Hendon. Yeah, I went to both of those. Yeah. Now the Edgware one for a while was uh, an Indian cinema. Oh, I might have gone there before you were born, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> when they were cinemas. Well, it, it became an Indian cinema in the nineties. Mm. I mean, they did show; they still showed Hollywood films there for a while, but their bread and butter were Bollywood. all sort of the Bollywood. But the one in Hendon, it never recovered. It was it it went I under. And... I saw Diamonds Are Forever in that cinema when I was about. Oh wow. I don't know. 10 or something okay i bet you the floors were still sticky then funnily enough my feet probably didn't touch the floor they're probably hanging off over <laughs> the seat at that age <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah robert jocks lot of money the effects or what they were the robots i mean my wife said oh that looked really good and i said you're kidding me it's a pile of shit but she seems keen on watching it so we might put it on sometime so i might be subjected to it again yeah i mm. mean I didn't mind the effects of the robots. It's just the the problem was this. It's again, it just came down to story. Very Jerry Anderson, wasn't it? Yeah, I I have to say, I, I thought I thought the effects work for the time was really mm. good. I was just unfortunate that it's just the story was pretty shit. Yeah, and you know, you just didn't really care. You were just sort of, you know, that the it was trailer fodder because mm. it looked really great in the trailer. But when you watch the film, you're like. Well, they still had to spend a lot of money on the sets. You know, like when he when he first mm. gets into the the robot and he's walking through this big thing, and there's got people like in Star Wars in the Star Wars hanging, <laughs> yeah. hanging around, all going crash and burn. Yeah, yeah, well, that was the name of the uh, sequel, wasn't it? Crash and burn. That was Robo Jobs no, too. Well, well, that this is the thing. That was another film that just happened to have robots in and it. They called and they decided it. Decided right. to call it. Robo Jocks 2 or Crash and Burn just to sort of tie it That's in right. with the other film. Because again, if you thought there was very little robot action and robot jocks, there's even less in Crash and Burn. And people moan about the Transformers movies. Well, we moan about the Transformers movies because, you know, at the end of the day, you can't tell what's going on. Well, I, I still like them. Uh, the first one, I think, is the best one for me. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that somebody likes I them. do, actually. <laughs> Fucking awesome when you see them, you know, Bumblebee took round all, you know, rolling around all the Decepticons. I'm like, cool. That was a cool film. I don't care what anyone says. I liked it. Those Autobots, they do have a problem. They just can't stand still for a second. They're always rolling around. I know. They just have this problem with gravity. They just, they just always falling down and rolling and stuff. They still look the bollocks though. When you see them, you know, it, you know. But then when it comes to storytelling, I prefer the cartoon over the live action yeah. ones. I didn't really see the cartoon, so I suppose in a way I've been spoiled. It's like Lord of the Rings. Didn't read the books, yeah. but I like the films. Yeah. Oh, I like the films as well. Mm. I thought the films were really good, and I've not read the book. Mm. 
but um you know but yeah yeah well um i would sort of highly recommend avoiding robot jocks they've released them on blu-ray you know i know a screen factory's yeah. um brought it there's out some people out there that love this film but it's great if there's a film that you, that was part of your childhood and growing up and you've got a soft spot for it i'm not knocking you at all yeah i'm sure they do i'm just not one of them for me it's a film that i, I didn't like as a kid and you know it's it, it's gotten worse over time it was a letdown wasn't it from the trailer promised so much and the, and the final product like in a lot of films even today it's it's nothing new they're yeah. very good at marketing what they've got. Well, yeah, they well they put a lot of money into it. They had to sell it, and they they knew they weren't going to sell it on word of mouth alone. Shit or bust, it was for them. Yeah, and unfortunately, it was shit. Yeah, and bust <laughs> at the same bust. time. <laughs> right, Simon, oh, well. it's been very very good fun. I've enjoyed this talk. It's been very mm. good, and I do. I think we need to track down some more Stuart Gordon's films. Just hopefully in the vein sort of uh, attempt that he can really yeah. capture the gene in the bottle that he did with his first sort of films. Cause yeah, well, I, there, there is one other film of his I have seen, and I would say avoid like the plague, and that's Space Truckers. Yes. Because that's, that's not very good. I think he, he obviously excels with Jeffrey Coombs and horror and gore and slime and creatures. And H.P. Lovecraft. That's his... Yeah. That's his forte. Yeah. Um, and Honey, I, I Shrunk if... the Kids. Because he must have made a lot of money <laughs> off of that, writing that. Maybe. I mean, there's a whole lot of talk about how he was, you know, he was actually, um, you know, he, he was never credited for mm. it. And he was actually sort of not, he wasn't included in the whole making of it and stuff like that. The only time I saw his name recently, which was a few years ago, probably about five years ago, was a film called Stuck, and it's based upon a true story where someone runs someone over and, and the body got stuck through the windscreen. And the story was based on the fact that this person then just parked the car in the garage and left the body in there because they didn't know what to do with it. But then, oh, but right. then the film Stuck then carries it. It's got Mia Sorvino in it, I think. Uh, I don't know whether I've said that right, but... Uh, Apparently, no, the story right. of this film is that the person is still alive, but she, he's stuck in the fucking windscreen, and she's dry. I don't know. I've not seen it. It's meant to be quite good. Called yeah, stuck. it sounds very much like there was there was a film out uh, a couple of years ago, very much like that, mm. where there's there was a guy stuck in the windscreen of a car, but there was out in the street. All oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. But no, I yeah, I've, that sounds like quite an interesting film. Mm. Um, I'm just looking at it now. It's got. Um, it's got Stephen Rear in it, yeah. Which you know, yeah. that's not too shabby. Mm -hmm. No, is it? And it's got his, and it's got his wife in it as well. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a big, <laughs> it was a fairly, yeah, reasonable budget thing. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, we do like indie filmmakers who have ma yeah. made good, um, and 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 st you can still see their, their, yeah, they make use of the sets and everything, and we like that as amateur film or whatever filmmakers ourselves. It's like it's yeah. good to see people struggling. And making the best of what they can do, and come out with something nice at the end of it. It's really, it's really yes. positive. That's 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 why we do it, you know. It's, yeah, it's very inspiring. Yeah. We always sort of wrap up with um, letting the audience know how uh, people can sort of see your work. So, apocalypticconservatory dot com is my okay. new website. Apocalypticconservatory, one word, dot com, and you can see pretty much everything i've made so far on there there's links and 
news has even linked to Simon's website, which is independentrunnings.com. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> I'll um, I'll put a link in the uh, description notes for this uh, yeah. podcast. Uh, are you on YouTube? Yes, I am on YouTube. Mike Tack Films is what you got to type, um, and that should lead you to my nasty vault of horror and general nastiness that's available on the internet. So. <laughs> and are you on Twitter? Yes, I am. Mike, uh, what was it? Mike Tack Films. I'm on Twitter, but there's links on my website. If you go to apocalypticconservatory.com, you'll find Facebook links to our page and all that stuff, and you can say hi or whatever, and yeah, hopefully you'll like what we've done and like what Simon's done. Um, Sonsu Tut is, is my favourite Simon film, without Yay. subtitles. Great film. <laughs> oh, um, so... Don't forget, you can follow this podcast uh, on our Facebook page, which is Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. Uh, we also got Twitter, which is at Movie Heaven Hell. And uh, yeah, we uh, Keith will be back for uh, our next podcast where we'll be doing H. H. Mm. Who could it be? Mm. 